is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. And guess what, guys? Another weekend, another Mulberry Lane show. Okay, sisters, let's get to the guests. The Mulberry Lane show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, first up today, we have four-time Grammy nominee, multiple ASCAP Christian Music Songwriter Artist of the Year winner, and the New York Times calls him a vivid and compelling songwriter with impressive approaches to the familiar. We're really happy to bring you today, Matthew West. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything that I was supposed to be. I give up. I'm not strong enough. real about how he had to overcome an obstacle in his life. He made it his mission then to tell other people's stories of struggle and triumph. A very poignant interview today with Matthew. And if you're going through anything difficult in your life, you'll find comfort and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Well, if you have a daughter or know someone who has a daughter between the ages of 8 and 14, you're going to want to hear all about this book, The Confidence Code for Girls. It's written by two best-selling authors and award-winning journalists, Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman. Through their research, they have found that girls' confidence levels start to dip around 8 years old. You're going to hear all about how to curb that and how taking risks can even affect your own confidence. Caddy and Claire get real about confidence a little bit later on in the show. Yep, some definite girl power on the show today. Sisters, who's next? Well, then it's Tara Lightfoot. We can try. Canadian singer-songwriter musician takes you on a journey through her new mistakes. That's the name of her brand new album. And in this conversation with Tara, you'll hear about the unique place she recorded her album, her relationship with the 70s Nashville singer that inspired one of her songs. Plus, you're going to hear how she has a great relationship with her label and how when you're constantly on the road, the bridal suite just might be a great option. (laughs) And who doesn't want to stay in the bridal suite, right? Right or not. Exactly. So you're going to get to know this unique talent who was just nominated for a Juno Award. Well, before Matthew West joins your weekend, Allie, there's another songwriter in the family. Yes, Rachel. So I had Girls Night Out earlier this week, and my hubby watched the kids. And before I left the house, he said, hey, Allie, the kids and I have a song for you. And he wrote new lyrics to that song that goes, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? Dave did? Yeah. So this is what, this is what his song was. <laughs> okay, for, I'm dying to hear this. For Girls Night Out. Okay. It went, 
Girls night, girls night. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when mom's not watching you? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's more of a song or a threat. Exactly. <laughs> so as you can imagine, it made me laugh. And who knows what happened when mom left the house? Yeah, what happens with dad stays with dad. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna be right back here on the Mulberry Lane Show with multi platinum artist Matthew West. Stay right here for all the fun, creativity, and inspiration. And more of your weekend getaway coming right up. Keep hanging with your radio sisters. Back in a flash. Behind the songs, back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, with almost too many awards to mention, but we're going to anyway. They include four Grammy nominations, several ASCAP Songwriter Artist of the Year awards, Dove and Billboard awards, along with writing songs for Rascal Flatts, Scotty McCurry, and Michael W. Smith. Well, Matthew West continues to tell his story, and yours too. Now, if you're familiar with Matthew, you know he collected thousands of stories from his fans and turned them into songs. But first, hear all about Matthew, his music, and his mission. Matthew West on the show, storytelling, here we go, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. Ah, Great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. I mean, now I'm in a good mood after hearing you guys sing. That was really cool. So thanks for having me on your show today. Absolutely. So now first, you have touched countless lives with your music and your story. But, you know, your life was kind of changed with the story of your life project. You received thousands of stories from your fans. So how did that impact your approach to music at that point? That was a game changer for me to back up just a bit before that, where I actually came up with the idea to collect people's stories. I went through a a pretty tough chapter in my own personal story, having lost my voice and damaged my vocal cords, and I had to have surgery on my vocal cords, and at the time, the doctors basically warned me that there was a good chance my singing career was going to be over, and it was during the recovery from that throat surgery, I did some real soul searching, and you know, to be honest, went through a pretty serious bout of depression, you know, just being super bummed out. Well, your identity is so tied up in your music and your voice and what you had been doing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's been a big part of my journey, coming full circle to realize, you know what, I believe my life is bigger. My identity is not only found in in my music, you know, and and I had to sort of let go of that because the reality was there was a chance I might never sing again. And so I had to kind of go, okay, God, do you still have a plan for me, even if my voice is gone? Well, through that season, you know, I felt like... God put it on my heart in all seriousness that he was going to give my voice back to me, but that he would use my voice to give a voice to other people. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but it was very specific. And so, so I just wait, was this up. just something you felt? I would spend long hours up in my music room just by myself because I was recovering from that surgery and I was unable to speak to anybody. And so okay. I would just get discouraged and I'd go up there by myself and just write in my journal. And one day that's what I wrote in my journal that I was going to give a voice to other people. That's where the idea came to me was, well, if my voice ever comes back, instead of writing songs inspired by just me, I'm actually going to reach out to people and give them a chance to inspire my songs. And as a songwriter, you typically write about your own life, you know, or the world through your perspective. And 
this became a real game changer. Thousands of people since then have written and shared their life stories with me. Over 40,000 people have shared their story. Every single day for the last six years, somebody has sent their story or placed it in my hands at a concert. Somebody will walk up to me and say, I want you to read my story. And uh, it's been the real honor of my life and a crazy journey creatively as well as you know, getting the chance to be a part of people's lives that way. It's pretty special. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Christian singer-songwriter Matthew West here on the Mulberry Lane Show, talking about his music and how other people's stories inspire his music. And then even with social media, it kind of came at a perfect time because people are able to communicate so much easier. That's exactly right. You know, I think social media is a great indication of the state of so many of our lives. We're like craving these outlets to be heard. Yes. to be seen and to be known. I think a lot of people are desperate to know that their life matters or that their story matters. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me is that if we're seeking out that outlet on social media, that there's so many people who don't have anybody around them in real life because social media is not real life. Right. There's so many people who are walking through their life every day and they don't have anybody around them saying, hey, your story matters. You matter to me. You are loved and you're important and you're significant. Otherwise, why would so many people be sharing their story with me? And, and the reason I say that is because a lot of people would share the deepest parts of their story. Say, I've never told this to anybody. And but they so, felt safe with you, though. I've wondered a lot of times about that, but I just felt like, you know what? Maybe this is just for that. Maybe this is about more than music. Maybe God gave me this idea because this would be a way for me to reach out to somebody and let them know somebody who's discouraged or depressed or maybe even thinking about ending their life, which this has turned into so much more than songwriting. Right. You know, we get somebody reaching out to me saying, hey, I'm, I'm contemplating suicide. I'm not scared to tell anybody. And our ministry is able to reach back out to them, help them get the resources and connect them to a counselor that can help them through that difficult time. And we're literally seeing lives be saved as a result of simply just asking the question, What's your story? Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So now as you've watched this kind of evolve and come together, talk a little bit about how you chose what stories you would tell with your music. Well, that was one of the big question marks I had is all of a sudden I had thousands of true stories coming in. And I was like, now what do I do? And so sort of to take the pressure off, I just simply one by one, I read story after story after story. And, and when a story would speak to me, I would wind up picking my guitar up and I would start singing, you know, and sometimes it was words straight from that story, like when Jordan wrote to me about his struggle with drug addiction, and, and the first sentence of his story said, hello, my name is Jordan, and I'm a drug addict, and I, I began writing this song, hello, my name is Regret, I'm pretty sure we have met, and uh, of course the song um, launches into the, the truth, which is, hello, my name is Child of the One True King, so, you know, with a lot of my songs, when I'm singing them, I see a face and I see a story and a name behind that song, whether it's Renee, a single mom who had to learn how to forgive a drunk driver who took the life of her daughter. She inspired my song, Forgiveness. Whether it's, uh, you know, a girl named Brooke who battled with cancer and uh, asked me to write her a song, and, and she inspired a song on my new record, songs like Strong Enough and Day One and Grace Wins. They're all inspired by somebody's powerful true life story that impacted me enough to pick up my guitar and hopefully write a song that captured the essence of the redemption they found uh-huh. and the second chance that they found and the hope that they found in God. So now you focused on the redemption part of the story. You know, that's, uh, that's a good point. I think my goal when I'm writing a song in general 
whether it's my story or somebody else's story, my goal is to be real and authentic. Mm -hmm. And I want to be real with the pain of life because, you know, if we ignore the fact that we're all going through difficult things, you know, then there's nothing to be but fake, you know? And, and I think the world doesn't need to listen to fake music, right. and the world doesn't need to see people who are pretending everything's okay when right. it's not. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's my job to be just as real with the hope and the redemption. I think that's one of the things I noticed. In every story that I read, no matter how hopeless a certain story might have seemed, there was always a glimpse of hope. There was always just a flicker of light. Like, not all hope was lost. Like, somehow, some way... God was going to redeem this situation. So I think that's my job as a songwriter, is to not neatly wrap every song like a 30-minute 1950s television sitcom, but to really be real with the pain, but also real that there is hope. There is always hope. It might be a glimpse and just a little sliver of light, but if you look and if you wait and if you trust, just like in my own surgery, in my vocal cord surgery, in my own trial, that's what I realized, is even when I felt like all hope was lost, I still found a peace that I didn't understand. And that peace could only come from one place, and, and that's ultimately what every one of my songs points to. The source of that peace, the source of that hope. Gotta take a quick break. We'll be back with more from multiple Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Matthew West. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything that I was supposed to be. I to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. In the middle of a chat with singer-songwriter, storyteller, Matthew West. Now, he's been nominated for multiple Grammys, had many other awards, including Songwriter of the Year and some Dove Awards. In the first part of the chat, you heard all about how Matthew turned other people's stories into songs. And when he started telling other people's stories, his life changed. Let's get back with Matthew. Getting all of these stories, was there ever a point when you actually felt like it was a little bit of a burden? Like, how do I help these people? You know, how can I make yeah. these people's lives better? At a certain point, I was like, what have I done? You know, because, right. and it, I think that's really when it started to turn the corner was when people were not just writing to inspire a song, but they were writing to me to kind of bear their soul or ask for help. I mean, when Rob reaches out to me at my website and says, you know, I see that you're collecting stories. I was just at your concert. Um, I raised my hand when you asked if anybody, you know, wants to have a new beginning in their life, but now I need help. He, he was addicted to heroin and had just gotten out of jail three days before my concert. And his mom bailed him out on one condition that he come to my concert wow. <laughs> and so little do i know there's a drug addict sitting in the crowd at my concert um next to his mom mm -hmm. hating every minute of it until god knocks at the door of his heart like i believe he does for all of us and he has a life-changing moment but he he knew he needed more help and he needed to get into a recovery center he reaches out to me and says i don't have any money i don't know where to go can you help me mm -hmm. you know that's when you start to realize okay you know, am I really in this to impact and help people in their lives, or am I just trying to write a hit song? And, yeah. you know, when push came to shove, I realized that 
you know, a lot of times we get an idea to do something in our lives and we only have a glimpse of what the real purpose is, you know. And so I may have asked people for their stories thinking this was just about writing songs and now I've come to realize that it's about so much more and I'm thankful that I've had my eyes open to see that. And But you had to accept that part of it. Yeah, I mean, I could have run from it, you know, but what I did instead was I ran towards it. I'm not saying like, oh, because I'm some kind of hero. What I'm saying is because that's, I think, where I found true fulfillment, you know, because uh-huh. I've had hit songs before. You know, I've got a record deal and, you know, people come and see my concert. So a lot of my boxes have been checked in terms of my dreams and goals. That still leaves you empty. You know what I mean? What, what really fulfills you is when someone shares with you, hey, you know, this song that you wrote about forgiveness, man, my wife and I are here at this show today because we were on the verge of divorce. And every time I turn on the radio, that song came on and I realized it was time for me to forgive my spouse. And now we're celebrating 25 years of marriage or something like that. When you hear that, you get ruined for ordinary. And so there becomes a greater purpose to what you're doing. And that's why, I mean, above all other genres, I love all kinds of music. I write country songs. and But man, there's just something about when you put a little light in your song, man, people find that light, and it goes out into a dark world, and people have the chance to be encouraged by it. And I think when you add in real life to it, there's a chance that it could really impact somebody in their real life, in their very weakest moment, to let them know that they could keep going. And I'm sure at the end of the day, that's more fulfilling to you than any award, really. Yeah, that's the best part. At the end of the day, if my kids look at their dad and say, you know, when my dad was most concerned about getting a number one song, then I probably screwed up somewhere along the line, you right. know? So yeah. hopefully my kids see that it, there's a greater purpose to it all, and they'll apply that to their own lives, whatever it is they get into. And then you have a team around you, right? Kind of a ministry team that can also help you with these letters and messages that you get. Yeah, yeah. My dad actually and my mom helped me. We're kind of a family operation, but I started a nonprofit. And my dad helps me big time. And he's a minister, uh, right? Yeah, my dad's a preacher. And uh-huh. uh, and so I asked him to quit his job after pastoring <laughs> for 38 years at the same church. And now uh, he comes on the road with me. And uh, a lot of times he's there to help people who come forward. A lot of people come and they want to talk to somebody or need to pray with somebody, just need some encouragement. And my dad's there to help me with them and pray with them. So it's pretty neat to work together with my parents. I bet going to jump in here. If you just joined us, you're listening to singer-songwriter Matthew West here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You have two young daughters. I know you tour a lot. So how do you balance fatherhood and the music and the touring and everything? Well, that's probably one of the biggest challenges, to be honest with you. Um, a great example is where I'm calling you from today. I'm uh, on vacation with my family, and there's times where I've got to, you know, dip away from the pool and, right. <laughs> and, and, and make a call. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough balance. I have the kind of job that takes me away from uh, home a lot. And what we did to remedy that was during the earliest years of my children's childhood, we homeschooled. for about four years and uh, we spent those four years on the road together as a family my kids saw every state in the u.s and uh that's that's an education in itself yeah one great big road trip and so that was pretty cool and now they're in school and it becomes a different challenge but we just try to take special vacation time to really catch up on the time that we lose when i go on the road and um it's a delicate balance but sometimes i have to say no to big opportunities because 
at the end of the day, man, I, I got to remember that that's what my first ministry is, my wife and my daughters. And sometimes I forget that, if I'm being honest, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to forget that. I wrote a lot about that on my new record. There's a song called The Beautiful Things We Miss, and it talks about, like, it's just my heart cry saying, like, God, I don't want to miss it. Like, the song says, open up my eyes before the beautiful things we love become the beautiful things we miss, you know? Yeah. It's really about not having that regret when you look back on your life. Did I spend too much time working on my career and uh, when I should have been loving on my family? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for sharing your honesty and your story. That's quite amazing, you know, to see your musical journey. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I'm certainly, I think I'm more excited than I ever have been to be getting on stage these days and sharing those stories and songs that have meant so much to me. Sounds great. Well, thanks, Matthew. All right, bye, ladies. Have a great day. Take care. care. That's multi-platinum selling Christian artist Matthew West. Make sure you check out his latest release, All In, available now. When you come back, you're going to meet two journalists and best-selling authors. They have an important book for the preteen girl in your life. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. She puts on her makeup And the last dress she remembers That turned his head The time he said You look beautiful At six the front door opens And he doesn't even notice Kisses are cheap Baby when do we eat? I'm starving Beautiful things we miss you covered the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane parenting alert the confidence code for girls is an advice book to help girls develop real confidence authors and renowned journalists claire shipman and caddy k are here right now to let you know how this book and you can help girls between the ages of 8 and 12 when confidence tends to drop welcome welcome to the show claire and caddy Thank, Thank you. you. We're thrilled to be here. Oh, Glad awesome. to have you here. So, mm-hmm. Katty, can you take us through what led to the writing of this book? Yeah, we wrote a book on confidence for women and the gap but in confidence between men and women a few years ago. And it was while we were doing the research for that book that it became pretty clear to us that the gap started way before adulthood. And in fact, what we found, because we've done a poll that we've released with this book, is that the confidence gap between girls and boys really starts at the age of eight. From the okay. age of eight to 14, girls' confidence declines by about a third, and it never really recovers. So we're hoping that we've targeted this book at girls. We've written it for them. It's full of quizzes and scenarios. It's really fun. There's lots of cartoons. And we hope that if we can catch girls at that age, we can raise a generation of confident girls and confident women. Mm, Great idea. Now, Claire, what happens at the age of eight that causes girls' confidence to drop? Well, that's really a great question. What we have found in looking at this is that it's really the perfect storm of nature nurture. So, you know, right when we hit puberty, girls and women get a big 
dose of estrogen and, and okay. among other things that are going on in our brain. It, it, that helps to make us people-pleasing. We're, we're more aware of our surroundings. We get all those great EQ skills that we tend to have, multitasking, all that stuff. That's awesome and a gift, but it can also make us a little more uh, hesitant, a little more cautious. Okay. Do we think things through too much, do you think? Well, yes. So what happens is that you, know, you have to take risks and do some okay. failing to build confidence in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we're thinkers and a little more cautious, we're not as eager to take risks. And then the progression is just that over time, parents and teachers, everybody kind of encourages girls, keep thinking, keep working hard, doing, getting all those great grades. Girls do it well. They become perfectionists. Okay. By the time they're in high school, they really don't want to fail. And then they're not building confidence. Mm. So would you say perfectionism is the enemy of risk-taking then? Perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. First of all, you're never going to get there, right? Nobody is going to be perfect. But if you're always wanting to be perfect, you're not going to take risks. Right. Because you'll beat yourself up so much if you fail. And that's really what we see is a big difference between girls and boys is this desire to be perfect. And with that becomes a fear of failing. And if you're not prepared to fail, you're not going to get outside your comfort zone and try the hard stuff that's going to help you grow your confidence. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to authors and journalists Katty Kay and Claire Shipman about their latest book, The Confidence Code for Girls, all about raising a generation of girls with real confidence. So what can we do as parents to help our girls through that time between ages 8 and 14? Well, I think the the most important thing we can do, and it's hard, it sounds easy, but it's very hard to do, help your girls get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, We've got to get our girls used to risk getting out of their cozy comfort zones, doing some failing. And it's so hard to watch your child fail, but a boy or a girl, right? We all Uh want to fix it. But right. the boys, they kind of just do it. <laughs> so it happens more naturally for them. Yeah, and girls just become paralyzed. And so I think keeping the focus off of grades, you know, Katty's okay. been talking a lot about them, um, and, and I think she's absolutely right. You don't need to constantly pat your daughter on the back for every A she brings home. You have to say, great job, but it doesn't need to be the centerpiece of okay. everything that you talk uh-huh. about. And you know, get them trying difficult things. Now, as a parent, sometimes navigating what your child wants to do and maybe what you know society is going to judge her about is difficult. You know, in a a case in point, you know, let's say your daughter wants bright blue hair and you know if she does that, you know, she'll feel really cool and she'll love it. But at the same time, you know, the teachers will judge her. Will she make the play? Will she make the show choir with this bright blue hair? So it's difficult as a parent to navigate your child through taking taking risks, but also knowing that some of the risks she might take, society may judge her for, and it makes it more difficult for her. What do you do in those situations? Well, I think it's always a struggle for parents, right? There's always going to be some tussle between your boundaries and their perception of their boundaries. It's really important, I think, for our girls to be girls who feel confident taking risks and trying things that are difficult and speaking up and sometimes sticking out and doing things that are different from other people. And with that, they will learn what are, we talk in the book about appropriate risks and inappropriate risks, okay. what makes sense for you. Like you don't want to put yourself in danger, but you sure. do want to put your hand up and speak up in class. Okay. Yeah, and I, I've had that situation with my daughter, actually. He's a real, a bit of a rebel, and it's hard because I see the choices she makes, and I'm like, wow, you are picking the hard path. <laughs> and for a long time, 
I really wanted to encourage her to take the easy road, and then I realized, uh-huh. oh no, she's she's actually learning this way, and she's uh-huh. she's getting stronger. And I'm, mm-hmm. I wish I had been more like she is. I think that's true. I think we learn along with our daughters. You know what makes them tick, what makes them confident, what touches them. Oh, yeah, and I think it's incredible. really important for us to show our daughters to be role models for them and to show them when we have struggles, right? And, uh-huh. and show them we're not trying to be perfect all the time because they will learn from what we represent. And I love how in the book there are tangible exercises for girls to do that really get them thinking about taking risks, thinking about their confidence level. So glad that you have put this book together for the girls. And is there anything you want to leave our listeners with, you know, some thoughts about confidence in girls? Yeah, I would love to say that um, we also want girls to understand that confidence looks and feels different for everybody. There's not one style. It doesn't have to be mad men style confidence. And we, okay. to emphasize that, we actually created a confidence quiz. It's on our website, Confidence Code Girls, and it gives you your confidence style. And, okay. and by doing that, it kind of explains there are lots of different ways to be confident, but it's really fun and we think it's interactive and might help them understand that. And it gets them thinking about taking risks and how they can build their own confidence and become confident women. So we want to thank both of you for joining the show today and for writing this book. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Authors and journalists Katty Kay and Claire Shipman pick up Confidence Code for Girls for the girl that you love in your life. When we come back, you're going to meet Roots rocker Tara Lightfoot right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Don't go anywhere. to the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. Well, she's ritzy, bluesy, and all kinds of fierce. Canadian singer, guitarist, and songwriter Tara Lightfoot is here to give you a behind-the-scenes look at her latest album called New Mistakes. And when mistakes inspire a diverse album that's receiving a lot of critical acclaim, you can only hope there will be even more mistakes. Tara Lightfoot on the show. New mistakes go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, great. Good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me too. Okay, I love that you named the album New Mistakes because, you know, everything today, you know, especially like in social media is kind of all about perfection and all of that. So it's it's nice someone's owning mistakes. So and, what and, inspired it? And new ones at that. <laughs> I think mistakes are actually a great thing. I, I realized that I was making the same one over and over okay. with music and in my life, and then I just thought, well, I should probably stop doing that. I should probably try and make some new ones <laughs> and learn some new things. Right. You know, Don't and then the and that's what the record's ones. about. Yeah, okay. So yeah. now there's a song on there, the single that's Norma Gale, that's about a Nashville songwriter. You knew her. So talk a little I bit did. about what inspired that song. Okay, so Norma Gale, I met her on the road, and she was an elderly woman. She was actually in the hospital when I met her okay. by strange fate. And she was like an old woman, and she was telling me she's from Moncton, New Brunswick, which is eastern Canada, and it's really hard to kind of get out of that area. It's just really tough to do. So she told me all these stories about going on dates with Conway Twitty and playing with Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and playing the Opry in the 70s and, like, having all this crazy success. 
And so I was hearing all these cool stories, but then I also met her son. And turns out he was just a baby when all that was happening. And she was raising him as a single mom. On the road. On the road at the Grand Ole Opry, dating Conway Twitty, playing uh-huh. with Johnny Cash. Uh-huh. What, a, what a story. Oh, I know. I know. It was so inspiring to me. And I wrote, I should have probably written a thousand songs after I, I met her. But yeah. Yeah. I just wrote one from her perspective. And that is not, um, I don't know what, how you guys write your songs, but... For me, I don't usually write from other people's perspective. It's true. So that was a new thing for me. And it was like, it was really cool to go into her life and, and mine her experiences and put them into a song. But you really felt a kinship with her. Oh, man. Of course, yeah. And then she was also like, she was kind of, um, I don't know what you would call her, like a no bullshit old, old lady. She didn't take any guff from anybody. I kind of aspire to be like that, too, in some uh-huh. ways. I mean, yeah. to be a little bit tough not take, uh, well, take it's anything I don't deserve. interesting <laughs> that today you were inspired by a country artist in the 70s. I think it's hard being a woman in the music business. She went through her struggles. You go through your struggles and mistakes. And, you know, there's kind of this common thread that runs through it all. And I don't know if it's any easier now than it was in 1970. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, she told me stories. One of the stories was when a promoter, when she was asking to get paid at the end of the night, the guy held her up at gunpoint. Oh, my god! And her son was in the dressing room. Like, you know, you picture yourself being a single woman and trying to get paid for your show, and then somebody pulling a gun on you, like... And taking your money. That's that's crazy. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen today, but we can't we can't confirm or deny. You know, it hasn't happened to me. Has it happened to you guys? No, not, not, not again. Not again. <laughs> not, not yet. Not recently. Yeah. So now the right. album is is really a diverse set of influences. So who are your influences? Oh man, I have so many. One of my newest ones that I really have been soaking up is Bonnie Raitt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think she's amazing. And actually, I went to see her show. And at the last minute, my date pulled out. And so I was the only person with an empty seat beside me in the whole place. And Bonnie was singing all these, like, you know, I was scorned by this guy. Like, she says she doesn't write her tunes, uh-huh. um, most of them. But then the ones that she does write are the scorned lover songs, where she gets really mad. And so she was, you know, playing all these, like, angry songs. And I'm sitting there, like, being stood up and, and feeling so validated. So you by related. Her. Could, like, you could totally relate. You related to her, yeah. too. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh Singer, songwriter, musician Tara Lightfoot here on the Mulberry Lane Show. The final song on the album, Lonesome Eyes, has kind of a gospel-y tinge to it. So is gospel part of your background at all? It actually is. My grandmother on my mother's side played piano in church starting when she was 12 because there was a big snowstorm and the piano player couldn't make it, so she had to play for the for the church. And so I knew all, you know, all like the church songs, the United Church songs, okay. uh, when I was growing up and, and hanging out with her. In my early 20s, I got into country, and, and so country gospel and, and all, all that kind of soul stuff, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's, it's become a big part of what I do. I'm very inspired by the, the soul that you find in that music. Definitely. And Bonnie Raitt kind of walks <laughs> that line between the country and the soul, too. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's such a great place to be. Like, Music to me is about emotion and about being able to portray that emotion uh-huh. in a way that people understand and can can relate to and can join you. Absolutely. In, you know? So where yeah. did you record this album? Did you record in Canada or were you in Nashville? We did record in Canada. We recorded on the Six Nations Reserve, so that's like a native, uh, native Canadian 
reserve, like where, where they live. They have an amazing studio there. And it was not popular, like where I live. Okay. It's not a popular studio choice. It is now, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So but how said, did no, that affect go to- the music, do you think? Oh, man, it was insane because the there's such an economic disparity between, you know, driving uh, from the grocery store in the town outside and then driving onto the reserve. There's plywood shacks that people yeah. are living in. Wow. So it was like, wow, we're really grateful to be here, to be able to do music for a living, being able to pay my band to be there. I just felt so lucky the whole time. Yeah. But I think that gratitude, that, excitement. That, that got recorded that in with the music. Yeah, it's, it, it was definitely an experience and gratitude. So now you are pretty much a non-stop touring artist. How do you deal with road life? Oh man, I book nice Airbnbs right now. Okay. We're staying in uh, near Winnipeg, but I rented us like a bridal suite cabin in the woods. That's supposed to be for weddings. That's great. I know. And I'm staying in the bridal suite, so I'm like, I have this nice tub with a heated floor. That's what's happening. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And then you're on Sonic Union Records. So talk a little bit about yes. your relationship with your record company and how that is all going. Oh, man. Okay, so I live in Hamilton, which is kind of a smaller city. Okay. They're, they've been a record label for 25 years. And basically, it took them two or three years to kind of get to know me enough to put me on their label. Okay. And no one knew, and still I think nobody knows who they are, <laughs> but the most loyal people in, on my team, and they're also my managers. Okay. I just feel really lucky to have found them, and even though it wasn't the popular choice at the time when I when I signed on with them, they've done such amazing work for me, so I would, I would uh, urge everybody to entertain all possibilities yeah. um, when people want to work with you, because what matters is your connection to them and how loyal you are to each other. Yeah. And I have a great relationship with my label, I'm very proud to say. That's nice, because I don't think that happens yeah. very often. No. And they let me do what I want, which is also very so rare. I have the creative freedom. That is so rare and beautiful when, yeah. when people let you do what you want. Yes. <laughs> when they trust yeah. you enough, yes. So what do you hope yeah. people take away from the album? Anything that they want to. I mean, I, I like doing dishes and listening to records, so if okay. people wanted to do that. You can come do mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put on some good music, I promise. (laughs) Final question. This album has been getting a lot of critical acclaim. So what Mm. has that felt like for you? Oh, I mean, it's so nice for me, and it's nice for my band and the producers. Yeah! All right, Tara, we want to thank you so much for bringing the album to the show, talking about it, hearing the behind the scenes. It's been really a fun and interesting chat to get to know you a little better in your life. Yes, and you guys too. Thanks for having me. That was Canadian singer-songwriter and Juno Award nominee Tara Lightfoot. Make sure you check out her new project, New Mistakes. We dance the night away
much for bringing new mistakes to the Mulberry Lane Show. Great to get to know you better and love the tip about the Airbnb bridal suites. Tara Lightfoot, who else do we need to thank, sisters? Well, we got to thank multi-Grammy nominated artist Matthew West. Matthew, thanks for sharing your story with us today, especially in light of the fact that you are always sharing other people's stories. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) From being told you might never sing again to singing other people's stories, your path has definitely been inspirational. MatthewWest.com. Okay, Rachel, who else do we need to thank? Yes, a big girl high five to the Confidence Code for girls, best-selling authors, and award-winning journalists, Katty Kay and Claire Shipman. Thanks, ladies, for bringing your awesome tips for girls of all ages and reminding us to keep taking risks and building our confidence. Check out the Confidence Code for girls, for the girls that you love in your life. Woo! Well, guys, make sure you come right back next week. Same time, same place. Your radio sisters will be right here waiting for you. Mm -hmm. New show, new magic, new guests. All here for you next weekend. And don't forget to create where you are. That's right. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Woo! Woo!